Good morning. It's good to be with all of you. We got all the women up here this morning, except for Andy. Andy led worship for us, but all the girls are leading this morning. I love it. <laughs> um, two things before I get started. Well, first of all, hi. If I haven't met you, I'm Rachel. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm excited that I get to share with you today. Um, other two things. Today's John McCollum's birthday. He's not here, but happy birthday, John, if you're watching. I don't know why I'm looking for him. I know he's not here. Thanks for the claps. People are clapping for you, John. Um, second thing, Jess told me she had a dream about me, that she saw me in the grocery store and she tried to say hi to me and I just walked past her. So I want to say sorry. And if anybody else has had dreams like that before where like I did something rude to you, I'm sorry in advance. I know I get like personally angry if I have a dream about Luis and he's like mean to me or something and then I like am mean to him all day, so. I don't know if anyone else is like that. Couples, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, okay. Not just me. I'm not crazy. Anyways, I'm sorry if I'm ever rude to you in a dream or in real life. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So, as you guys know, if you've been here for any time, we've been going through the genealogy of Jesus. We're in Matthew, still in the first chapter. We're, we're getting there. We're talking about every little story along the way. Um, I love that so much because it just shows us how much our individual story matters and how it affects like our lineage to come, our legacy. We're building our legacy now and we're seeing the legacy that Jesus's genealogy left for him, which is not very pretty most of the time. That's why he came, to clean up that mess. But, so, last week we talked about exile, Luis talked about exile and talked about the kings in the Bible who, as we see, have functioned in a very oppressive way instead of the way that God commanded them to. Um, we were also warned that kings were not a great idea, but we still wanted them, so God gave us a king. So today, I want to continue to look at exile, which I preached on exile a couple months ago when we were talking about Daniel, and when I was thinking about preaching on exile this time, I was like, man, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Um, especially because Louise preached on it, and then as I was thinking about it, I started to get really intrigued about the experience of exile, both physically, but also how it relates to mental health and the spiritual dy dynamic of exile. Um, and again, this can be the actual experience of exile, which is the choice to leave one's country for safety and well-being, or sometimes people are forced out of their country. Um, and I want to look at how that relates to the spiritual experience of exile. And I want to talk very gently about these things because we have people within our community who have experienced physical exile. Um, so yeah, I just want to look at all of this in a very gentle light. Um, so I, th I don't know if Luis talked about this last week. I don't think he did, but there's a Bible project video about exile. And within this video, it talks about the Israelites being exiled, but it also talks about exile as our human experience, which a lot of us feel this weird tension between we know that life is not what it should be, and we see the suffering, and we see our own suffering and mental health and all of these different things that are really difficult, and we know that that's not how it should be, and we're waiting for things to be restored. So that's what the Bible Project video talks about. So we'll talk about that a little bit today, too. Um, so as I was talking with Dan and Jeff about this this week, we started to talk about Jesus' aunt. <laughs> so cute. I love that. 
Um, we started to talk about Jesus's experience of exile, as well as the spiritual and emotional experience of being exiled from a church community or family, which I also want to talk about gently because a lot of us have experienced that ourselves from a church community that we loved, or we've experienced like manipulation or abuse from church or spiritual environment. So I want to talk very gently about all of it. Um, so in our own experience and hearing stories of other people, we can see that exile, whether it be emotional, spiritual, or physical, is not an isolated experience. Um, even if we have not felt the effects of a physical exile, like I said, we as followers of Jesus have felt the side effects of a spiritual exile. Um, yeah, it's just, it's our human experience. We all can relate to that in some way. So as I was researching this, I found an article and it explains exile as this. Exile appears between two impossibilities. The impossibility of being unable to be in our own homeland and the impossibility to find a proper replacement for it. This leads to a situation of being suspended. <clears throat> that unsteady betweenness. This is viewed as follows. The impossibility of living, even though you realize the impossibility of dying. The edge between life and death where each one rejects the other. Holding on that limit is the first unavoidable requirement of all exiles. Zambrano, which is a philosopher from the article, develops the idea of the lost, of the lost, loss? I typed it wrong. The loss of a place and the suspension that it involves. According to the Spanish philosopher, the orphanhood is the most important feature of exile, having no place in the world, neither geographic, social, political, nor ontological. Now again, if you start to think about like your own spiritual experience, it sounds a lot like the now and the not yet of the kingdom that we talk about a lot of times in the vineyard. So as I researched it, I saw that there are many different experiences with exile. My research comes from individual stories as well as from an article titled, it's, very long it's a very long title, so bear with me, Philosophical and Psychopathological Perspective of Exile on Time and Space Experiences, written by Matias Silva Rojas, Julio Armijo Nunez, and Gonzalo Nunez Arices. So I want to use this as an attempt to better understand the experience of those who have physically experienced exile as well as think about how it relates to our emotional and spiritual experience. So exile is a very real experience. If you turn on the news, you see people being kicked out of their countries left and right and fleeing their countries from danger. And we see it in our own country with people trying to come in. It's just all different kinds of things. So we know it's a real experience that still happens. It's not all spiritual and it's not all physical. It's important to learn about exile so we can better care for others who physically experience it and also spiritually experience it. And to also learn and understand the links of the God who loves us, who sent their son Jesus to fully understand our human experience, who experienced exile in his own life. And Jesus is, another name for Jesus is Emmanuel which is God is with us. And so God went through exile himself to show us that we're not alone. So first I want to look at what exile refers to. The article was really helpful for me to understand better. 
The word exile comes from the Latin word exilium, which is derived from exilire, which means to leap out. It's defined as the notion of being forced to leave one's own space or place, which can mean country. The Encyclopedia Britannica highlights the time spent out of that place, which is to be extended. So thus, exile refers to those who've been forced to leave their own space for an undetermined time and extended, undetermined and extended time. Maria Zambrano, which is a Spanish philosopher as well, describes that exile is to be in any fixed place, not inside or outside, but suspended in the leap. Exile is the leap itself from the inside to the outside. It's outside of your safety, it's outside of your belonging, and it's sort of a limbo. We can see that in this experience of suspension, of limbo, it has an emotional and mental effect on those who experience it. The experience of exile on refugees and expatriates leaves one feeling landless and homesick, the new home unable to replace the home of origin. There's a feeling of abandonment and a lack of belonging. And if you don't belong anywhere, you don't have community, safety, or security, which basically means death. You don't have any of that. It also causes mental health struggles, such as PTSD, depression, and anxiety, which we also experience this whether we've experienced physical, mental, or emotional, or spiritual exile. That is something relatable in our human experience. And we can see that the Israelites experienced this as they were left without a home or a temple, feeling and wondering if God has abandoned them. And this experience is still happening in our world today. There's a word that's used in the article, it's desespacio, which describes what Vineyard likes to call the now and the not yet. It's this vastness and endless desert, the non-existence of the horizon and the continuous sky, as an ocean without any island in sight, no real north destination or goal. That's how we can often feel spiritually and emotionally. I know that I've felt that way before, 100%. And I know like I, I've shared about my depression and I preached about it a couple weeks ago, I think, but I know within my depression, that's how it feels. That's exactly how it feels. So as we're studying the book of Matthew, making our way through the genealogy, I think it's only appropriate to look forward a little bit to Jesus to help us make sense of the stories that we're learning about. As we know, Jesus was affected by exile. His parents left their country because they felt unsafe and fearful, which are many of the same reasons that people today leave their countries and go into exile for a better, safer life. Jesus was a refugee. It just goes to show the depth and the depth of understanding and experience that Jesus, the Emmanuel, God with us, has of what it's like to be human. When we look forward at Jesus' death on the cross, we see that this was Jesus' experience of exile from the Father's love as he sacrificed himself and took on our sin. We can also look forward to the beginning of exile, which started in the beginning with Adam and Eve. When they sinned and broke their relationship with God, they were sent out from Eden. The closeness and the intimacy that they had with God was broken. They were, they were sent from their home, the safest space that they could have ever dreamed of, into the unknown and pain of the world. They no longer belonged in Eden. The story from there on is our desire to be reconciled and re reunited with God, as well as countless stories of our wandering and perpetual exile. <laughs> There's both. Jesus experienced the ultimate exile. He left his heavenly home to come to earth to show us the depths of his witness. 
I like that word, witness. It's kind of weird to say. Jesus experienced exile as a child. Again, his family unit bore the emotional, spiritual, and physical burden of exile as they fled danger. And we also see that Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was sort of a nomad throughout his life as well with his disciples. So he didn't really have a home here nor there. He just kind of wandered. <laughs> um, he also experienced exile from the love of God, again, as he sacrificed himself on the cross, which was the ultimate exile on our own behalf. He came to end our experience of exile to sacrifice himself in order to reconcile and reunite us to the love of God. He ended exile to make us a home. And I believe that God has called us as the church, as the people of God, to unexile people into the family of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who broke the curse of our spiritual exile and welcomed us into a home with God. Which, if Jesus did that for us, that's our purpose as the church. Because God cares about this. God cares about exile, whether it's politically or spiritually. And he cares deeply about the ways that God's people experience exile. All in all ways, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And we know that God cares about this because of the person and the life of Jesus. Because in Jesus we see who God is. And as we can read, we see that God is angry with oppressors, people who take advantage of the vulnerable, who exploit and manipulate with greed that doesn't leave any in need with things that they need. We see this in the character of Jesus who flipped tables and became angry with those who tried to take advantage of people in what was supposed to be a house of worship. In the church, like capital C Church as like an institution, um, has historically been very good at exiling people from their family. And this is not me coming after CV, not me coming after any of you guys, but all of us have seen this. We've seen it in the news. We've seen news articles of abuse that happens in church. We've seen too many examples of the church rejecting and manipulating and taking advantage of the vulnerable, hiding scandals, <laughs> not welcoming in people that God commands us to love too concerned about looks. Like there's like what the pastor's sneakers. I don't know what it is, but it's all about like how preacher sneakers. There you go. Like just so focused on what we look like, like our, how we are the ones who are saving the church or we're the ones who are, I don't know, you know, this whole thing. Um, like celebrity status, they're celebrity pastors. That's just, it's very interesting to me. Anyways, I know what it's like to be taken advantage of church. I have worked in church where my time and my health and my age, my singleness, all of it was taken advantage of in the name of serving God. And as a, as a side note, I just want to say that there's a difference between exiling people and valuing people by having healthy boundaries. Safety is different than exile, and it requires a discernment process. Anyways, Jesus came to make a once-religious institution built on rules, haughtiness, concern for how it looked, into a home of welcome, refuge, growth, and belonging. He came to test the religious, to see the depth and the prejudice of their hearts, to teach that there's refuge from exile and the love of God, that the rules and legalistic nature that the religious have built upon was actually exiling people from the love of God and deeming those who were closest to God's heart unworthy of love and acceptance from their institution. 
but Jesus gave us a different way to do and be church. So how can we let Jesus into our own exile? How can we invite Jesus to help us as whole, like as a whole and individually? Step out of the role of exiling others and deeming them unworthy into being unexilers into the family of God. How can we as individuals allow Jesus into our own exiling of ourselves, where we deem ourselves unworthy to be a part of the family? And I want you to notice how your body's feeling during this. Is there any kind of like defensiveness that rises up within you? Do you feel the desire to come up with reasons why certain people don't belong in the family of God? Maybe it's people who have hurt you, or maybe it's people that you've hurt. <laughs> Do you feel the desires to come up with reasons that you don't belong in the family of God? I think that a lot of us are really good at excelling ourselves from the family of God as well, and thinking of reasons why we don't belong, or why God wouldn't want to forgive us or include us in the family. And that also could be partly from experiences that you've had with your own family unit. So, what does God command of the church? First, we know that through the character of Jesus, that God is compassionate towards us, whether we feel exiled or whether we're the ones doing the exiling. We know that God's heart is for the widow, the orphan, the outcast, the stranger, the immigrant, and the refugee, all who feel physically exiled, left behind, outcasted, and rejected. Many of us know the feeling of being rejected from the place that's meant to be safe, our own home, the place where we're supposed to belong. Some of us have experiences from the church or from the family of God as well. God commands us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. The good news is that God is merciful to us all. He gives us mercy in exile. Lamentations 3.22 says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I want to read a little bit from Hosea as well. The title of it is The Lord Has Mercy on Israel, which we all know that in the Bible we're talking about Israel being the exiled. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about God's mercy. This is uh, 14 through 23. It says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and will make the valley of Achor, which Achor means trouble, a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, you will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bales from her lips, no longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Which sounds like Eden, right? Sounds like Eden. Bow and sword and battle will, I will abolish from the land, so that all may lay down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my, not my loved one. 
I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, and they will say you are my God. It's inevitable that we experience exile in this world, whether it be the realization that the world isn't the way it's supposed to be, it's not functioning out of its original intended design, which can cause depression and anxiety in our lives, or whether it be someone else rejecting us in the family of God. As we see, God cares for those in exile, even when they have sinned against God. God provides. We see this in what we just read. And God will always prioritize the needy. I have both lost hope in church, and I've also regained hope in church. The article I mentioned earlier talks about the experience of nostalgia and hope in exile, which represents both past and future. Looking back and feeling nostalgic for what was, when it was safe and provisional, and having hope for exile to end. Confidence that someday the exile will end and we will be whole and welcomed into safety and a home, that we can experience that here within the love and the family of God. So if you've ever experienced this kind of pain or exile from a community that you love, I want you to know that you're seen by the God who also knows the deep feelings of betrayal and rejection. I want to apologize on behalf of the church as a whole institution for the ways that we've pushed others into exile. If anyone is seeking healing from spiritual abuse, we have a group who meets and seeks healing together. If you're interested in that, you can talk to Katie. It's an amazing ministry. So if you're seeking that healing, please talk to her. Um, and God is not coercive or abusive, but so often the church has painted the picture that this is what God is. So if you've experienced coercion or abuse from a faith-based institution that is not God, and God wants to give healing for that. So often religious institutions can act as kings instead of wounded healers, which being a wounded healer is our example through Jesus. I'm really grateful for CV. CV has been that for me. And I know a lot of your stories, and I know CV has been that for you. And yeah, it's just brought me a lot of healing and taught me how to be a wounded healer instead of trying to fix everyone's problems, because I like to do that. <laughs> but I, I pray that being a wounded healer will continue to be our guiding principle as we go forward. Um, one of my favorite quotes ever is by Ram Das, and it says, we're all just walking each other home. And that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like we're doing. So the most important thing that we can do on this journey is to walk together as we find a home. So Kelly, I'd love to invite you up to help me with communion. Okay, you can pass it out, and I'll do my little, my little thing. <laughs> well, actually, I'll help pass out too. You got this one? Oh, yeah, that's important. Thank you. Okay, I think, I think everyone's almost got it. So as we take communion today, I want us to think about Jesus, who is the most welcoming person that we could ever know. 
He invites us to his table, as broken as we are, as hurting and as far away as we feel, to commune with him. His body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us so that we know and we are confident that we are welcomed into a family, a safe place to land and to grow. Exile will one day be finished and we are no longer far from God. Let's take communion. If anyone would like prayer, we're going to have the prayer ministry team up. Please get prayer. Love you guys.